Good morning and welcome everyone. As Chris said just a few moments ago, welcome to Encounter Church. We're glad each and every single one of you are here. I'm Jason, a pastor on staff at Encounter Church. Some of you know me, some of you don't. And if you know me, I've already heard several times today, is that you? (laughs) And for those of you that don't know me, it's because I can't grow hair on my head, but I can really grow it on my face. And this is one of the mysteries of life. And it, does anyone have a mystery of life that kind of you just don't understand, right? Well, I asked my, my son, my five-year-old Levi, uh, a couple of days ago, I said, son, because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like not sure about how I feel about this. I've never grown in the past 10 days, and this is day 14, but I'm counting, I know, because um, I'm kind of excited about growing hair right here, but not up top. I don't know, know why. So I said, Levi, do you like daddy's beard? He said, no. And I said, you don't? He goes, why? Can you move it from here to here? <laughs> I said, no, I can't. You know, I wish I could. It's just one of the mysteries of life. So anyways, um, just wanted to make sure I'm clear. Because you're already thinking that, and this is one of the things of communication. I'm just going to unearth and speak out loud what you're already thinking. But my name is Jason, and um, this is a beard. Okay. Um, if, if you're here today, and this is your first time, we give you a, a very special welcome. We've been talking um, really about the life of Moses. And this is a series I, I get really excited about. Last summer, we looked into the life of, of David, and, and this summer, in the life of Moses. And what's exciting is to be able to reread the stories. And I was just speaking with someone yesterday um, about this concept, that when we read a story, and we, we read it over and over and over, sometimes we kind of lose the power And the curse of knowledge, when you read something, you can quickly say, oh, I know that. Or someone starts telling you a story, oh, I've heard this. But sometimes, I mean, the Bible is just so powerful. I've been reading these stories, even the past couple of weeks, about Moses. And it's like I'm reading it for the first time. And so it's exciting to be able to look into the life of Moses. But here's the challenge. We only have one more week of this series, and we are barely touching the surface on this book called Exodus. There are 40 chapters in the book, and so I gave a challenge several weeks back that it would be great if you could just, in your own personal time, read what we're not teaching on Sunday morning, right? It's an incredible book. I think you'll be challenged. You'll be encouraged. It may raise questions about you and your spiritual journey, and so feel free. Come on Sunday, ready with questions. Ask us. We'd love to engage one with you about the life of Moses because God was with him, and God used him in an incredible way. And like he used Moses, God wants to use you. And God wants to use me. So the life of Moses, like ours, has a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And the interesting thing about the life of Moses is he's much like you and I, that we are often very discouraged about our own ability. We question even what other people tell us we can do well. We question and we doubt. And as we learned a few weeks ago, Moses had an experience with God in the burning bush. And Pastor Chris spoke about this. And this experience was not only bizarre because it was a bush that was on fire but not burning, but there was a voice behind that bush. And that voice named himself as God, God Almighty. And even in ways that was very distinct that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the forefathers before Moses... Even in ways that they never experienced God, God chose to show up to Moses in a very extraordinary way. And he not only gave Moses an extraordinary calling, but he told Moses and he promised Moses that for hundreds of years that things would come to fruition in his lifestyle, in his lifetime. And some of what happened in the life of Moses did not come to fruition because of his disobedience. However, 
God used Moses in an extraordinary way. So some of you may know this story, some of you may not. But the, uh, it, the Egyptians actually held uh, the Israelites, God's people, in captivity for 430 years. There's different areas of Scripture that talk about the length of time that had passed since God's people were in exile and they were in the land of Egypt. And they were slaves for 430 years. And all of a sudden, God shows up to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go before Pharaoh. Now, Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh, educated in the same way that Pharaoh, king of Egypt, was educated. Moses knew Pharaoh, and Pharaoh knew Moses. When he walked towards the king's home and the king's palace and the government buildings, everyone recognized who Moses was. At this time, Moses was 80 years old. Perhaps because of his age, some people would not recognize him, but many did. So Moses got a call from God, and God said, Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let your people go. Specifically, he said, tell him to let my people go. They were Moses' people, but they were God's people, the Israelites. Like you, Moses questioned this. Moses thought, me? How how can I do this? Well, eventually, through some conversations that he had, and even conversations he brought Aaron, his brother, in on, Moses goes to Pharaoh and tells him exactly what God told him to say. And said, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, let my people go. Now this was bold because he didn't come to Pharaoh with a request. He didn't come to Pharaoh with a question, right? Or with a plea. He came to Pharaoh with a command. And the command was not on Moses' authority. He said, this is from God. And what did Pharaoh say? Pharaoh responded back to Moses and said, I don't know your God. So no. And Moses walks away, and what happens? Pharaoh steams, right? Pharaoh doesn't know his God. Pharaoh does not listen to his plea, and Pharaoh clearly says no. Moses could have, Pharaoh could have taken Moses' life, but he did not. He let Moses go, and he let Aaron go. What happens from there is really hard. Pharaoh burns in so much anger that he decides to actually make life harder. Now, for 400 years, more than 400 years, they were in slavery and things were about to get harder because of his bitterness, because of his hardness of heart. He went to the Israelite people and made it harder. He said, you've been making bricks. Now you're going to make them without straw. And the Israelite leaders respond back to uh, Pharaoh and say, how can we do this? You're expecting us to make this number of bricks, and we can barely make that quota per day, and now you're taking away our resources, and you expect us to do the same thing? And Pharaoh says, yes. Basically, this is a power play, right? Pharaoh, in a sense, says, I'll show you who's in charge. It's not Moses, because he ran, right? Moses killed you. Some of you that were here last week, you learned about Moses murdering someone. Moses was afraid for his life, and he ran out of town. He left Egypt. And the next thing he shows back up, asking to let all the Israelites go, Pharaoh says, I'll show you. I will tell you who's in charge in the land of Egypt. I am. And so he makes life harder. Naturally, what do the Israelites do? They go to Moses, and and, and you've had these moments in your own family and extended family. Like You have these moments where you look at somebody and go, what are you thinking? Like you just intentionally made life harder for yourself. You had those moments? Sometimes you tell yourself that too when you go, what was I thinking? I just made life harder. Why did I do that? Now we learned from the previous chapter before we jump into the text today. We learned from the previous chapter that Moses had those same feelings. What was I thinking? He doubted himself. Why did I do this? The Israelites go to Moses and Aaron and say, what, what, 
What were you thinking? You just made life harder on us. Why did you do that? It's almost as if the Israelite says, it would have been better had you not requested that. So in a sarcastic way, you could imagine the conversation that Moses and Aaron had with their people. It's probably a little bit of anger and frustration, but maybe sarcasm, like, thanks. Thanks for doing that to us. What, what were you doing? What were you thinking? I want to pick up at the end of chapter 5 and just read a few verses that capture Moses' heart because I think it captures also your heart and my heart and where we are in our journey in this life too. But it's Moses that says these words in Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. It also, it'll be on the screen for those of you that have the app. You can um, click on one of the icons in the app on Bible and follow along there as well. Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. In the Hebrew, this gives the idea, you have done, they have done more evil now. It's getting worse, God, is what Moses is saying to him. Now, I don't know about you, but these are fighting words, aren't they? And you read this and you say, this is Moses talking to God? This is what he says? And Moses records this, okay? Talk about some credibility. Moses takes the authorship of this book that we're reading. And so Moses is recording for the Israelites and recording for God's people for, for years and years to come. Now for us, this is what I said to God. Because God chose in his favor to speak to a man named Moses, and God chose to allow Moses to speak back to him. And so Moses turns back to God in heaven and says, God, what were you thinking? Why have you done evil to your people? Now we read this and we go, wow, I can't believe Moses said that. We kind of say the same thing, don't we? One of the questions that's often asked about God is, why does a loving God allow evil to happen in this world? Some of you wrestle with that where you are. I've wrestled with that question. And I'm asking you a question that I'm not fully going to answer today, but it's a question worth asking. And we look in the scripture and there are a lot of great answers for it. But this is what Moses is doing. Why, Why is this happening? And you and I do the same thing in life so often when things don't go the way we planned. Even when things are, are sometimes in, in a very um, presumptuous way, predictable. I really see that God's in this and God's going to bless this. You could say this job is going to go well. All the interviews have gone well. I feel good. I have a lot of good references. This is good. I'm on, I'm on the way. I'm going to get this job. And then you don't. Like Things just seem to fall into place and then it breaks loose. The marriage, the relationship that you're in, things are good, we're happy, and then five years down the road, you're like, what happened? I thought things were good. God, I thought you were in this. Like, you could go in a lot of different directions, a lot of different scenarios, and say, God, where are you? This isn't your plan. I know this is not good. Why are you allowing it to happen? Moses had every right to feel this way. There's an incredible story about a man named Job in the Bible. It's an incredible book to learn a lot about God, but Job had these same feelings, just like Jason has had these feelings towards the Lord and towards God. Just like people that don't believe in God. I've heard people that don't believe in God feel the same way about God. Even though they say they may not believe in Him, people that are questioning God and don't even believe in God question, why, why God, why, why God, why God? Why, why are things this way? Why are things so difficult? Why aren't things easier? Well, God gave a very clear promise, didn't he? He said, I 
will deliver my people. That was very clear. And the very clear promise was there was no ambiguity. There was no time frame now. Even though God did say, listen, Moses, I will harden his heart, which is a little bit confusing, right? It could have been confusing to Moses. Moses did question God, and he did wonder about why this was happening. But he said he would deliver his people. And so Moses looks back to God and said, God, you said. And you know what? I've heard even people that have faith in God and and people that believe in Jesus and they believe in the scripture, you can read things in the Bible, okay? And read a verse and say, that doesn't seem true in my life. Like, why is it this way? And we could talk for a long time and maybe even another teaching series here at Encounter Church down the road about, about why life and how life is so difficult. Chris has spoken on some of those topics even in the past, but we could go for a long time and ask the question, why? But I, but I love chapter 6 of Exodus. You know, you know why I love it? It's because God has an answer for Moses. Because you're asking right now, why? Why? Well, in Moses, Why? God has a clear answer. And I want to read this together. And I, and I hope that even this is one of those passages, whether you're listening online or watching live on, online, that you are asking the same question. And today God has an answer for Moses. And this is what he says in Exodus chapter 6. Let's read uh, these verses together. Exodus chapter 6. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Now, I don't always do this, but I'm going to tell you today, instead of reading through 13 verses, I'm going to give you sort of a rolling commentary and come back. Is that okay with you? Even if everyone said no, I was still going to do it. I guess that was some of you answered. Is that okay with you? Yeah, it's fine. I'm just going to do that. I should have told you not to ask, but here, here, here we go. So I'm going to stop. Now, listen, that was a promise. Moses said, God, why? God said, listen, I am going to let the people go. Now, this is God simply repeating himself. This is what this is. Moses, I'm going to let the people go. The key word here is this time word. He says, now. Now it's time. As if Moses wasted a trip, you know? Like, but I already went once. And God said to to him, I'm not going to do it in your timing. I'm going to do it in mine. And so he says, now I'm going to let them go. Look at verse 2. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, I appeared to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Verse 2, God reminds Moses of who he is. Now this is, even though Moses strongly said to God, he kind of questioned God, God, where are you? Moses receives a very clear reminder of God saying, Moses, let me tell you who I am. I am the Lord. And I'm not just your God, but I'm the God of your ancestors. Do you remember the stories of Abraham? I'm his God. Remember the stories of Isaac, the promise given to Abraham? Abraham never saw the promise fulfilled. Do you know there's a chance, even though Abraham knew that it was a future promise, there's a chance that even Abraham sat on his deathbed wondering when God might do what he said he was going to do. Could you imagine that? 
that Abraham could have sat on his deathbed saying, I wish I could have seen God do what he said he was going to do. Isaac could have had the same thoughts. Jacob could have had the same thoughts. We go into the life of Jacob and reading in the end of the book of Genesis, they have these same thoughts of God said he would deliver the people. God said he would give them their own home. And they're on their deathbed having not seen the promise. And he says, Moses, I am the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac and I'm the God of Jacob. And what's given here is I'm the God of Moses. You got to know who I am. And he says this, I established, verse 4, I established my covenant with them. So I made a promise to them, right? I established it with them. I told them what the promise was going to be. And what's understood here is I have not fulfilled the promise, but I'm about to. And you're going to see the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise. Look at verse 6. Therefore, on these things, right? What he's just said, say, therefore, To the people of Israel, I am the Lord. So remind them of who I am. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from the burdens, from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. What I love in these first few verses is that God not only reminds them of who he is and reminds them of the promise, but God says, I have seen your pain. He doesn't skip over that part. I love that because this is, a, this is what, what, what a, great, a great few verses when we read the Bible. We see the promise that was given to the forefathers. We see the promise and we are kind of blown away by the story of Moses and the burning bush. And Moses was given a job to stand before one of the most powerful men on the planet at that time and say something kind of ridiculous. And it really was ridiculous because Moses had no authority. But Moses didn't come on his authority. He came on the authority of God, who Pharaoh said, who is God? But in the midst of all this, it's not just transactional between God and Moses. He says, Moses, tell them that I see their pain and that I understand their pain. Remind them that I'm I'm with their pain. Even though their pain has not yet seen a resolve, tell them who I am. Tell them that I'm in charge. Remind them of what I'm about to do. And Moses, even in his discouragement, you could imagine his response, okay, I've told them already, I'll tell them again. Look at verse 9. Moses thus spoke to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. What's interesting about verse 9 is is that Moses um, goes back to the people and the Bible says they didn't listen. But why did they didn't listen is interesting because it could have said, Moses said one thing and it didn't happen. So we're not listening to you, Moses, right? But the Bible says that the reason that they did not listen was because of their discouragement, was because of their pain. Sometimes the people that are most, listen, this is just, is it a, not trying to oversimplify this or make too many wrong assumptions, but sometimes the people that are so against God, 
have a tremendous amount of pain in their lives. And we all have pain in our lives. I'm not trying to say that we don't, right? But sometimes people that are so anti-God or not wanting to receive or, or, or be open to God have a tremendous amount of pain and a tremendous amount of hurt, right? The wall is up. And I understand. I understand. Sometimes I listen to stories and I say, I understand why you're skeptical about a God that loves you. I understand why you don't understand why God has not been seemingly more present in your life. I understand. Sometimes I hear stories and I say, I think I would feel the same way you feel if I had been through your shoes, if I had lived your life. It's not that I haven't had pain or you haven't had pain, but sometimes you hear stories and you understand why people are so hurt and so bitter. Moses went back to the people and said, hey guys, God said, remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You guys know those stories. He's in front of his people and they're discouraged. He's probably in front of the leaders of their people and saying this, hey, God, God told me to go back to Pharaoh and to tell them to let us go and go find our own home. They didn't listen to him, right? They rejected him. Look at verse 10. So the Lord said to Moses again, verse 10, So the Lord said to Moses again, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So Moses is about to go back to Pharaoh a second time, right? Moses is about to go back, and God says a few words to Moses. I wish we knew a little bit more. What else did God tell him? But it says that God told them about the Israelites. I wonder, just Jason's speculation, I wonder if Moses said, listen, if God said to Moses, hey, listen, there's a reason they're not listening to you. They are discouraged, and they have lost heart. But just hold on, right? He said something to Moses about the people. He might have been upset and angry about their disbelief, right? But I think he probably gave Moses a little bit of encouragement because he says, hey, because he gave Moses and Aaron a second charge. He's already told them this, but he repeats himself, Moses, go back. And what I don't like about this few minutes that I can't tell you, this isn't it. He had to go back a bunch, right? Some of you chuckle because you may know parts of this story. It's incredible. Pick up in your own Bible reading, Exodus chapter 6, Exodus 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way up until about 1920. I mean, it's incredible. Moses had to go back and back and back again. He might have said to to Moses, Moses and Aaron, this is not the only time you're going to go back to Pharaoh. I didn't tell you that the first time. Again, Jason's speculation. I didn't tell you the first time that you were just going to go to Pharaoh one time. He's going to say, that's a great idea. I should let all of my labor go for free. No, 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 no. Hey, I don't think that was going to happen, right? Maybe Moses was a little bit naive. Hey, I show up and I give a charge. I mean, this staff that, that, I mean, God gave a great sign to Moses in the previous chapter. This staff, God said, watch, let me prove to you my power. Throw your staff on the ground. Moses throws his staff on the ground and it becomes a snake. And he says, pick it up. Moses probably said, no. (laughs) No, Moses picked it up, right? And then he said, let me show you another one. Stick your hand in your coat. He pulls it out. It's leprous. God was showing him miraculous signs. And he says, go to Pharaoh. And even though Moses was still nervous about it and doubted his own ability, he did it. But it was not one and done. And this is not two and done. This is not three and done. Some of you feel that same way in life, that I'm waited and waited and waited. 
and there doesn't seem to be a deliverance. That I've struggled and struggled and struggled and there doesn't seem to be a resolve. But God is here over Moses. And I know that he is here because this same promise to Moses extends for all generations, for all people, that God is God. And there's only one. And then this is what he claims out here. I am God. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And I'm the God of Moses. And I said something and I'm going to do it. I tell the people to hold on, tell the people to fasten their seat, you know, their seatbelt. This isn't going to be easy. This isn't going to be pretty, but I'm going to show you how great I am. I'm going to show you how powerful I am. And what happens in the next few chapters is absolutely astounding. God shows up, and for one of the most unique times in not just biblical history, but history itself, God makes a great name for himself in the land of Egypt and scares Pharaoh half to death. It takes a long time. But Moses eventually stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh does this. Even though he, he tries to pull it back and they go after him, we'll talk a little bit about that next week. But God shows up in history in one of the most unique ways that's ever been done before. And it's powerful. And God says, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I'm the God of Moses. And today God is saying, I am still God. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the pain. I don't know the questions. I don't know the confusion. But I know you can feel just like Moses, can't you? You say, God, I, feel, I believe in your promise, but it doesn't seem that, that you've delivered. I believe in what you said you were going to do, but it doesn't seem like you're there. People that have faith in God often can feel this way. People that do not yet have faith in God often feel this way about God. But what's the encouragement that we can take out of this scripture? The promise here in verse uh, or in chapter six is that God will deliver. And the reason I titled this, and you'll see this in the app, but, but the reason I titled this today through the podcast and the app. Um, is about God delivering, is that God didn't deliver, is because it seems that he didn't. And sometimes we feel that way in life, that God didn't deliver. Like I prayed, but God didn't deliver. I see a promise, but it didn't seem that God fulfilled the promise. Oh, God will deliver. But here's the uniqueness about what we learn. And I want you to take these three things. I want you to take these three things away and apply these and pray that God help me to apply these in my life in a way that's transformative, in a way that's powerful. Because these three things are not just in this text, but I believe these three things are truths over us today. We've got to understand, to understand who God is. Number one is this, that God will deliver in his time. It's very clear from this passage that God was not on Abraham's timetable. God was not on Isaac's timetable or Jacob's, and he's not on Moses. God will deliver. That's his promise. What he said, he will do. But he's going to do it in his time. And I'm gonna, here's, here's some just potentially discouraging news. He might not do it in your lifetime. You might not get to see what you long to see. While that's discouraging to you, God is still God. And he will deliver. He will do what he said he's going to do, but he will do it in his time. Number two is that God will deliver in his way. What hurts us so much and me, and I'm tapping me, myself here, what hurts you so much, what hurts us so much, is that often we have this preconceived notion of what we want God to do. Or even, dare I say this, that we have this preconceived notion of what we think God should do, don't we? 
And when we have this idea of what we want God to do and what we think he should do, it hurts us when he doesn't do it. Now, there's nothing wrong with you pursuing God and saying, God, I believe that you can do this, and I'm asking for you to do this. But it's dangerous if you don't have the trust when he doesn't because God knows what he's doing. And we have to journey through a faith life to say, God, I trust you to do it the way you want to do it. And whatever you do, I'm going to trust you. The last one is this. God will deliver in spite of us. Moses, in a sense, he did this to God. He said, God, I don't, I don't believe that you're going to do what you said you were going to do. I don't, I don't believe that. And he says, I can't. Moses, you're going to say these things. God, I can't say those things. Moses, Pharaoh's going to do this, and Pharaoh didn't, and God's, Moses is frustrated. But in spite of Moses, in spite of his disbelief, God still fulfilled his promise. And I love that. In spite of you, in spite of me, and despite of where you are, and the disbelief, and the, the lack of confidence that we have in ourselves, and sometimes the skepticism that we have towards God, God will not fail to fulfill his promise because of you. He will do it. What if you really believe that God will deliver in his time, in his way, and in spite of you? It's transformative. This is the God who loves you. The God of Moses can be the God of you. In closing, I want to say that God did this very thing. He fulfilled his promise when he sent Jesus. You know, Men and women longed for God to fulfill one of the greatest promises of all time. God, using the prophets and using men and women, there was, a, there was a knowledge that there was going to be a Savior sent one day. And for generation after generation after generation, they longed to see this Savior. And one day in human history, your very calendar is built around him, and his name is Jesus. Jesus was the fulfillment of hundreds and hundreds of promises. And he comes, and he comes to fulfill the promise. And the promise was this, that God wanted to save his people. And the truth is, what we see in Scripture and what we see from God's Word is that we all deserve death because of our own sin. And that the promise was that God would provide a way of forgiveness and that God would provide a way for people to come to know Jesus and spend eternity with him. And the Bible says that if anyone would believe in Jesus and ask forgiveness of sin and call on his name, they can be saved. But God did not do it in your time and in your way, right? But God did it in his time and in his way. And in spite of us, he sent a man named Jesus. And Jesus was God. And Jesus provided a way. And I love some of the questions we've been having this summer from people asking questions about Jesus, questions about faith, questions about how to have a relationship with him. We'd love to answer those questions, not just as pastors, but even at starting point as people stop by to ask questions about faith. We even have a class this fall that's designed for people exploring faith for the very first time. That this Jesus fulfilled a promise from God. And that promise was that he would provide a way for a relationship with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life of Moses. And I thank you that he set an example for us because we're just like him. We doubt you. We don't believe sometimes in your promises, but in spite of us, that you deliver in your way and in your time. And so God, we're thankful for that. I pray for every single person, wherever they are in their faith and their faith journey. I pray that you would encourage us today to walk out believing that your promises are true. 
that what we read in the Bible, what we see in Scripture and the stories told of you will always be true. In our doubt, I also pray that you would encourage us and challenge us to see beyond our doubt and to believe the promises that you have given. Most of all, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the fulfillment of the greatest promise ever given, that you would provide a way for us to know you. Thank you for Jesus. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.